All right, welcome to Mortgage 101. Is that what we're calling it, Clint? Mortgage 101. Your guide to home ownership. Here on News 95.7. We're back. I know. I'm supposed to say that. Don't take my job, okay? I mean... You want to do it all? You've already, you're already taking care of the mortgage side of things. Leave the broadcasting to me. I'm the host. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, you know? Well, exactly. And sometimes you got to do what you don't have to do. Does that make any sense? Well, I mean, I think we all have a bit of a job here, and it's it's the weekend, so, you know, there's it no is. better place to be. You know, I think the optimism is really high here in Halifax. I can tell you, you know, on Wednesday when things were starting to open up, yeah. weather was getting better. You know, everybody was in a great mood. Absolutely. So it is Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins, the mortgage guru, and myself, Todd Vino, here on News 95.7. On the weekend, we're happy to be here. I mean, I don't think there's anything we'd rather be doing on the weekend than, you know, sharing our knowledge and information. Well, I don't have any knowledge. I mean, I think you're a wealth of knowledge, really. (laughs) No, my job is to drag knowledge out of people like you. What's that song, by the way? This is Dark Side Down by Adam Baldwin. He's actually a Haligonian. Well, yeah, it's amazing how much Haligonian talent's out there in the music world, eh? You know what? We have a lot of talent here in Halifax. And to give Adam a little bit of a shout-out, He's doing a live show on YouTube um, this Saturday night. So if you're listening on Saturday, Saturday at 9 p.m. on YouTube, and we're actually sponsoring the show. So, you know, it's a, you know, just giving a little bit back to the arts. And, um, you know, I think just as we go through and we do our reopening, um, you know, there's nothing more than we'd rather be doing. And now that things are getting opened up, hopefully we'll be able to go see some music live. What do you think of, uh, just quickly, the reopening plan? Any comments on that? I know you're not political, but... Um, you know, I have my... Kill that music if you'd like. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm going to... You know, really, for me, I think the big thing is that we need to get back to a state of normal and a state of living with COVID. And I think they kind of said that in the reopening plan. I think Nova Scotia, we probably have the most conservative plan uh, for reopening. Uh but I think we have a little bit of optimism that we know that once we get to these final stages, we're never going back. We're never going to lock down again. And, you know, I think people are optimistic in that sense. Um, I never want to be in a situation where, you know, we have to work from home or, you know, not support maybe small businesses. Yeah. It's It's been tough. It's been a hard, you know, we're going into like month 16 of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not a situation that I want to be in in small businesses either. So the through all this pandemic again, the the, the the market has remained extremely strong, and and not just in Nova Scotia, housing across the country has been on fire. Like this is a, one of the big business stories of the year, right? One hundred percent, and yeah. you know that was exacerbated by people, you know, really reevaluating how they were living. You know, I've never been home as much as I have been in the last sixteen months or so. And, you know, the type of homes that people need, I think, are changing. People are working from home. And some people are never going back to the office. So, you know, I think people had some more time to think about, really, what was their long-term plan in terms of housing. And, um, you know what, it certainly created a lot of activity in the market, but also a lot of demand. And part of the challenge in Nova Scotia is there's a limited amount of supply, and that's really driven up the prices. Now, the one thing really... Um, that I can speak to is, you know, in Halifax, there is going to be more supply coming on board, 
But I think one of the issues that the federal government needs to work with the province and the province needs to work with the municipality is to cut some of the red tape to get more shovels in the ground. Let's get some of these building lots going. Let's work on some HST credits from different levels of government to, you know, really help. Uh, And, you know, I think the housing stock is an issue. It's not just an issue here in Halifax. It's an issue across the country in more urban areas. And, um, you know, it's not the solution is not going to be overnight. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't turn that around in, in a day, right? No, it doesn't happen in a day. Uh, but I think the decisions... Or a year even. I think the decisions that are made today and yeah. in the coming days, weeks, months, even of this year, are going to impact what's going to happen here in three and four and five years down the road. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you know, start solving some of these policy issues and, uh, you know, really start solving some of the housing challenges, I think it's going to, you know, just further inflate maybe the market. Mm -hmm. And some people are asking me, you know, Clinton, do you think the prices are going to go back to more of a normal state? I think this is the new normal in terms of price. There may be slightly less demand and we may go to more of a balanced market, you know, at some point once there is more supply. So the the need for mortgages and the the lending capacity has has gone up exponentially. We know that mm-hmm. we're talking about that. Has where's the money come from? Where's the capital come from? Has have lenders been sitting on this money? Are they borrowing money to then lend money? How does this all work? What's the they all the, borrow money to lend money? Yeah, they all do. <laughs> and at one time, you used to have to have you know a penny for every dollar you lent out. Mm-hmm. Now the lenders have to have more capital on reserve based on how much they're lending. Um, and, you know, the federal government is really interested in that and they're really interested in protecting the lenders. And they're really interested in making sure that consumers can continue to pay their mortgages. So, you know, in the news the last, you know, several weeks and months, we're talking about changes to the stress test. And that went into effect June 1st. And um, really, the moral of the story of that stress test was they basically are making it more challenging for new buyers to enter the market and existing homeowners to maybe borrow more money. So with the stress test, prior to June 1st, we were qualifying um, consumers at a five-year posted rate from the Bank of Canada at 4.79. They've decoupled that. And now um, the stress test has increased to 5.25. So basically, if you're looking to buy a home, now you can qualify for about 5% less than what you could have uh, qualified for in May. Right. Okay, so so to simplify this thing, because people say, what do you mean 5.25%? I'm getting my mortgages, was it, was it 1.8 or whatever? Mm-hmm. You are qualified, though, in case that goes up in that five-year span, if if interest rates or skyrocket renewal. or renewal, mm-hmm. if they jump to 5.25, based on everything that you bring in, you got to be able to cover that 5.25. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we're looking at every day. Yeah. Now, the only caveat, the only people who are maybe getting an exception of this is if you've made a purchase agreement prior mm-hmm. to the 1st of June, yeah. then you can qualify on the old rules but those are the only people that can still qualify. And those applications must be received by June 30th. Yeah, that's not a pre-approval either, is That it? is a real live deal, a, live a deal, purchase yeah. agreement that was executed prior yeah. to the 1st of June. So really, we're qualifying everyone now at 5.25. 
everyone who had a, an existing pre-approval, we've sent them an email and say, you know, guess what? You can qualify for less now. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to take some buyers out of this market yeah. because, you know, those buyers uh, maybe were at the top of their affordability and what they can qualify for before. And now really they can qualify for 5% less. What percent would you say is no longer going to be are going to be in the market as a result of this? I think it's a fringe percent. Like less than 2%, something like that? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's 5%. Okay. I don't know. I don't have those stats. And as the prices increase, more and more people are going to be priced out of the market. I think that's just reality. You, oh, okay, but it's it's protecting the, the, the industry as well and, and protecting people's long-term financial position also, right? There's true. a reason for it. And that's why the federal government, OSFI, and the Minister of Finance came out and said they're aligning these stress tests. Originally, when they first had rumblings that they were going to make the changes, it was only going to be for conventional mortgages. So for mortgages for people who are buying a home with putting down 20% or more, those were the rules that were going to be, or if you were doing a refinance. But when the rules officially came out, uh, OSFI said that uh, you know what they were doing with the rule changes the Minister of uh, Finance came out and said uh, she was going to support an alignment of both the OSFI rules for the conventional mortgages and the high-ratio insured mortgages. So that would be from the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, SAGEN, and Canada Guarantee. There was going to be an alignment. So everyone's now qualifying at the same higher stress test rate. Okay, I want to talk to you in, in, in the next segment. I want to talk to you after the break about uh, the home ownership. You talk about the Canadian dream, and it is the Canadian dream, but for many, that dream has been shattered mm-hmm. because of this market. This is a story that we're, we're seeing play it out right across the country. So that's something that I want to talk to you about and uh, because that's, that's a real issue, right, just quickly? Yeah, it is, it is for sure. And, you know, I think new buyers and first-time home buyers, those are the people that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about myself. I'm not worried about people who already own homes. I'm worried for the people that are just getting into the market for the first time. Okay, so we're going to get to that. It's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vina. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Mortgage 101. With Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, your guide to home ownership. Do you know what a Fender Stratocaster is, Clinton? You know what? I've heard that word before. Yeah. It's something to do with like guitar things. And uh, I don't know, you tell me because you're a, Todd's a big musician, which, yeah. you know. Um, it is a guitar. Okay, it's a guitar. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was might have been like uh, something that you kind of plug into a guitar, but <laughs> you can laugh. I'm not, you know. <laughs> Guess what? Our producers are smiling too. Do you know who made the Stratocaster iconic? Like really, really put the Strat on the map? I'm going to go with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Who was it? Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Well, I would know Jimi Hendrix better than I would know Stevie Jimi Hendrix made the Stratocaster iconic. And uh, do you know any Jimi Hendrix tunes? I don't know any tunes off the top of my head, but like I know who Jimi Hendrix is. Or was? He's dead. Well, I know he's dead. So Steve Ray Vaughan, by the way. Okay, is he? I didn't know. He died in a helicopter crash. Oh, did he? Yeah. Like you're just a wealth of knowledge about like music and dead musicians. Dead musicians. 
of politics in the province of Nova Scotia and really world events. So, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm, what the a type, I'm the type of person that you'd want to sit down with and talk to for about 10 minutes and then you'd be sick of it. You'd be like, it's enough for that guy. Okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. Now that you've been back on News 95.7, yeah. now people get to listen to you for hours a week. Yeah, and I'm and sure some people listen to every, uh, every, every Rick Howe show. Every Rick Howe show. And then they can listen to us on Saturday and then again on Sunday. I so mean, it's Todd Vino on News 95.7, seven, seven days, days a week. week. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great place to be, really. What a great place to be. Anyway, uh, welcome back. And uh, we're chatting about, uh, we were talking, we, we want to talk about the Canadian dream. And this is one of your catchphrases uh, that you use. It's, I, just, I think it just, it speaks to me. And I think hopefully it speaks to the people who are listening to our show. Yeah. Um, you know, buying home ownership. Home, home ownership is part of the Canadian dream. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're growing up, and in the media, they talk about the American dream a lot. Like, who says the Canadian dream? Like, nobody says that. Yeah. Um, and that American dream was really, you know, that new Ford, Chevy, uh, Chrysler vehicle in the yard with your white picket fence, living in your suburban um, neighborhood and keeping yeah. up with the Joneses. You know what? That's what the American dream was. And, you know, I think probably the Canadian dream is similar but I think that in some ways, the Canadian dream is maybe hopefully more stable and hopefully still attainable for many, many Canadians. And I know in Halifax, yep. typically it has been. And like over the last so many months, it has been more challenging mm -hmm. with the price increases and, you know, more demand in the marketplace. Um, but you know what? I think it's still uh, very achievable for many. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the process yeah. because that makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, to that, the the American dream was accessible to somebody if they were in the right position to enjoy it. For many, they were left out of that. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, becoming an issue here in this country when it comes to the Canadian dream of home, of home ownership. It is. There are many people who just three, two years ago could have been part of that dream who no, who no longer can be to no fault of their own. They've done everything that they've been expected to do, but the but the sands have shifted underneath And based their feet. on maybe the year that they were born, right, you know, exactly. that's going to be more and more challenging. Right. And things are going to right the ship, you know what I mean? Incomes are going to increase, their things are going to come back in when, line. When is that going to happen? I think everything takes time. And you know, at one time uh, the percentage of a person's income, uh, you know, went to their home. Now it's about the same percentage. Incomes have increased over the years. And right now, yes, we are seeing a spike in the home prices. But if we think about Ontario and even think, just let's talk about Toronto. You need to have household income of over $200,000 really to afford anything. Yeah. And is their average income that much higher than it is here? No, way. no, not it's not. No. So it's not avail. It's available to even less people there. Right. Where here it's still realistic, and you know I think we're going to see some urban sprawl. Yeah, but I want to push back a little bit here, mm. if you would allow I, you me. You know what? To, I love I love a little devil's that's advocate. That's right, little devil's advocate here. Okay, uh, a lot of people right now in the in in Nova Scotia, our listening audience, makes fifty sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. 
I would bet a lot of people. That's probably the. I think the medium income in in this province is something like forty to forty to fifty thousand dollars. But let's say you're even making seventy thousand dollars. You are now out of the housing market if you're a single income person, a single household income person making, which seventy grand ain't that bad of money, right? You need to have a pretty good job to be pulling in seventy thousand yeah. dollars. A lot of civil servants would would be making that. A lot of military would mm-hmm. be in that range. Mm-hmm. Those people cannot a afford to create a down, get a down payment together and qualify for because the average mortgage is average house now is four hundred grand or something like that here, right? So I'm seeing, just based on that, uh, this is becoming a problem, is it not? You know what? I think that it really is the higher income earners that can afford to buy a home on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's not for everyone. And I think more and more, there's two applicants buying a home. There's two applicants on the mortgage. Or there's a large gift from mother, father, brother, sister. I'm seeing a lot of gifted down payments and I'm seeing gifted down payments to the tune of large sums of money. Yeah. Todd, I'm seeing gifts in excess of twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars. And that is a recipe of a shift in the culture. When I started doing this 15 years ago, gifts made up a very small percentage of the down payment, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like and I saw a stat the other day like 2% of down payments were gifted. Yeah. Now it is staggering. Every transaction I see for a first-time home buyer has a family gift or there's two applicants or there's two applicants and a gift from the family. Right. And the culture is changing. It's um, a problem, isn't it? But I'll tell you. It's Canadian dream. I'll tell you. Yeah. My parents, I mean, everyone's parents, if they owned a home, have benefited from these increasing property values. Yeah. So guess what? The net worth of that family has now increased. Yeah. And they're either sharing a part of that net worth in terms of maybe an early inheritance or a gift. There are some uh, parents that are mortgaging their own homes to give gifts to their kids to get into this housing market. It's happening. And we're going to see that more and more over time. And you know, at one time, there was multi-generational housing situation. I can tell you, first-time homebuyers today, they are not letting their parents move into their house. Yeah, that's right. That's not happening. No. There's been a shift, and that shift is going to continue happening. But I'm going to say we're going to see more and more gifted down payments, especially for first-time homebuyers. And I think we're going to see a lot of first-time homebuyers only buying a home right. if there's two applicants. But here's, again, it's back to the problem. Somebody... Uh, a young person doesn't have that that opportunity. Perhaps they're from a, a single income parent who didn't make no a lot gift. of money, scraped yep. together, student loans, university, mm-hmm. do everything right, and they they're to no fault of their own, unable to achieve that Canadian dream. This is becoming a problem, in my opinion, and it is going to continue happening. Yeah. I think that that single person without the down payment, with that single, you know, income it is going to take them years, years to get into the housing market. I read a stat the other day that um, the average household in Ontario without help from their family would take 30 years to save enough money for the down payment to be able to qualify based on their average income. It is not that bad here, but it is worse than it was a year ago, and it's worse than it was two years ago. Will it continue getting worse, Todd? I don't know. Because I'm not an economist. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen with the housing prices and the supply. 
But the one thing I do know in basic economics is it's supply and demand. Currently, there is more demand than there is supply. And unless, you know, we get more, um, you know, homes being built or we slow the people moving into Nova Scotia, um, the, the supply issue is going to continue. But there's nowhere I'd rather live than in Halifax and there's nowhere I'd rather live than in Nova Scotia. Okay. I want to talk in the next segment about affordable housing. This is a this is a hot button issue, and, and how the private sector is involved in mortgage lending and all of that. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Okay, that's Clinton Wilkins, uh, myself, Todd Vino. This is Mortgage One Hundred and One, your guide to home ownership, right here on News ninety five seven. As mentioned, when we come up, when we come back after the uh, after the break, we're going to talk about housing supply and affordability. We'll get to that when we come back. play air guitar when you were a kid clinton you know what i don't think i was a big like air guitar person um but here's an interesting fun fact i grew up in the annapolis valley and i was in band i played the alto saxophone it sounds really lame it wasn't guitar and i know you're a big guitar person were you playing guitar when you were a kid yes absolutely and air guitar before that before i was a kid i was playing air guitar before like your parents got you like the real thing before i was even born okay yeah you were playing you, air guitar on the inside. That's right. You've never played air guitar? Come on. Like, what about when you're drinking? You know what? I do a really mean high kick, so I don't know if that has any part of the actual air guitar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I'm at home, I like to do a good like high kick. I don't know why. Okay. That's ACDC. You know that, right? I know it's ACDC. Yeah. And this yeah. was their first singer. Uh, oh, really? It, What's his name? I don't remember what his name was. Oh, I bet you don't. <laughs> His first name was Bond. Or his name was Bond Scott. Do you know how he died? Yeah, he he died a tragic death. Which was what? Let's not get into it because I don't think our listeners on News ninety five seven really want to hear it. Now they've he listened to you. Choked on his own vomit. Well, now they've listened to you. Not only five days straight, yeah. Monday to Friday on the workout show. I think that's how we did. Um, and uh, now they are listening to you now seven days a week. Yeah, so thank you for tuning in. You know we're here Saturday and Sunday, yeah. and. Um, Hopefully, lots of great content, and we're going to talk some more about mortgage lending. And uh, you're done talking about ACDC, are you? I'm done. <laughs> All right, listen, we have a little levity, a little bit of fun, but there are a lot of serious things to talk about surrounding housing, and affordable housing is one of them. This 100%. is this is a, this is a big issue, mm-hmm. right? There's a couple of reports out recently. The NDP have talked a lot about affordable housing. This is a uh, it's it's so complex because some people say. Well, the government should get should get into the the, the procurement of pro old properties, and I've heard I, I I chatted with Lisa Robertson while hosting the Rakow show about this NDP housing spokesperson, and she said that the government should procure some of these old buildings, and I don't think that they understand how complex the procurement is and buying these properties, and and then what do you do with it? You got to you got to refurbish it, and and all of that. It's it's extremely complex. What are your thoughts? I think it's very very complex, and. You know, I don't know if the government's really in business for owning real estate. You know, I think there is a little bit of economics around, you know, owning real estate, but likely private owners will do it better than the government. 
you know, I think if anything, governments, not just here in Nova Scotia, but across the country are really trying to divest some of their assets. Right. They don't want to be owners. They, they don't, they, they want to be the ones that are doing the legislation and dealing with taxation and all these things, but they really want to implore, I think, owners to help with the affordable housing. And I know there's some programs that have been put out by, um, different levels of government around creating so many uh, affordable housing suites when they're doing developments, which I think is really cool. And, you know, I think that's important. And I can tell you here in our province, um, you know, they put in a rent cap um, yeah, when temporary, the though. temporary, and that's yeah. going to come, come off here mm-hmm. um, in 2022 uh, or when the state of emergency ends, whichever I think comes first. Um, and, Housing will continue to be a challenge. You know, there's more demand than there is supply. Rentals are at a 1%, 2% vacancy, which is very, very low. Um, and, you know, we're not building enough new homes mm-hmm. or new rentals or enough affordable housing suites. But how do you deal with the affordable housing situation and an open market in which developers can purchase on the open market properties? And we've been talking about this, right? You know this as well as anybody. It's an open free market. It's capitalism. It's 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 mag. It's it's getting as much bang for your buck as you can and mm-hmm. maximizing profit. So how in that environment, which which we all cleave to that open market industry, how do you then balance affordable housing in that? How does how does that work? Well, I think it's the government programs that incentivize the builders to own them and develop them and hold them. Subsidize then. Subsidize, and yeah. it could be HST tax tr- credit transfers. It could be funding for these units i don't think and i don't think i'm a a person that's personally a supporter of the government owning affordable housing i think it needs to be privately owned but i have no problem with the government supporting it with programs that hasn't worked uh i think that it has worked i think that there certainly have been some developments that have had you know uh components of low-income housing that you know there have been some but clearly, and we just cited these these couple. Maybe these s- programs haven't um, solved the problem. Solved the problem, and I think part of it is mortgage funds are very inexpensive now, even for commercial lenders. Mm-hmm. So you know, for developers to be incentivized, it needs to be better for them than going to borrow the money from the bank. And right now, it's cheaper for developers to go and get a mortgage and do a regular type construction than it is to access some of these programs. And that's one thing the government didn't really have the foresight on. They didn't really think about the economics of the programs. But I think that to get any of these programs done by private owners, private developers, they need to have a level of incentive and the incentive needs to be on par with what type of profit level, you know, they would get on some of these free market type um, developments. So, you know, I think the government has a step further that they need to take this. And I think they need to get the feedback from industry. You know, I think they need to get the feedback from the developers. I think they need to get the feedback maybe from mortgage lenders, maybe the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. And, you know, take that and then tweak the programs to be, you know, a better fit for developers and get them you know, on side to create more of these units. Do you think that there's potentially the opportunity when, when zoning or, or building applications are submitted by by large uh, 
investors here, mm-hmm. the developers that you could say, okay, you want to develop this type of property, you then have to have some type of blended housing as well. What are your thoughts? I on that? love that. And uh, I'll tell you one of the major issues here in urban Halifax is the height restrictions. I can tell you, I've seen so many proposals that developers have put through that have been shot down at HRM due to maybe either center plan or prior to center plan in terms of the height restrictions. We need construction in Halifax. In the late 90s and early 2000s, we had a moratorium on building. And now guess what? 20 years later, we are in a crisis. Mm -hmm. So the government of the day 20 years ago has dealt the people of 2020 and 2021 a bad hand because you couldn't get a building permit. You couldn't build new homes because they were trying to, you know, change that supply issue they were trying to there was too much supply in the market at that point but guess what 20 years later it's a problem so everything kind of happens in cycles um but i definitely think the supply issue affordable normal rentals you know condos for purchase single family homes and all kinds of different mixed type of real estate is going to be important and i think we need to implore our governments to work together, you know, really the province needs to work with the municipality. I think that's really the first step in creating the HST tax credits to incentivize, you know, developers to be developing and they need to increase the density and we need to build up in Halifax. What about property value? Because somebody, some might say, look, uh, I've got my, my, my value, my property is what it is. And, and I'm not interested in affordable housing developments in my, just being, there are some out there that would have that attitude for good or for bad. It's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. What are your thoughts on that? You know what? I think that is a tough one. And, you know, I guess it depends on, you know, there's so many different factors. But we have some huge building lots ready to go in downtown Halifax alone that have been vacant for 10 years, 20 years. That Why are they vacant? because the economics of the projects don't make sense due to, you know, what the city and the center plan have, you know, in, in play, you know, there's been a couple of really big developments in, you know, Halifax in the last few years, we have a lot of cranes in the sky. When we think about, uh, you know, Southwest properties, they've built a bunch of rentals, they've built condos, you know, the Roy, um, you know, there has been the Trillium. There's been quite a few new buildings built downtown, but it's all been premium housing, whether that's premium rentals, yeah. premium condos. But there is a lot of construction in the north end of Halifax, and there's certainly land in in, in north end of Halifax. Dutch Halifax. Village Road, that area. Dutch Village Road. Yeah. What about Young Street, you know, yeah. by the Superstore? There are huge construction sites ready to go. Yeah, there are, yeah. I'm really keeping my eye on the Bloomfield development. I think that's going to be really interesting. That? That's in the north end. It's yeah. where the Bloomfield school was. Yeah. So there's a mixed-use development um, in the works there and uh, plans and uh, approvals you know, in forthcoming on okay, that. Okay, so again, to that, you're talking about developers that want to maximize profit, and that's fine in an open market. And housing or, or and, and the, the, the value of their properties are what they are. If you put affordable housing in the mix, then they may push back and say, look, 
this is not working for for what we want to do here. We we want to put up this certain type of building, want a certain type of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, just being realistic here. This might not sit well with some, but this is the mindset of of people in an open market. So how do you regulate, legislate, whatever that? You know what I I don't know, and I don't I don't know about. Balancing out the socioeconomic challenges, I yeah. don't know. But that's the, that's a part of this. Yeah, problem. I think it's definitely a challenge. And is it palatable to developers to say yes? Every development you have to have a certain percentage of uh, affordable housing. No, but can the developers be incentivized to want to do it? Obviously, the programs aren't having enough uptick. Right because the cost of funds are so low. So there needs to be further incentives or benefits to the developer to create these you know, uh, affordable housing units. And I think um, that's definitely um, a challenge for the municipality and for the province. And you know, is housing Nova Scotia working you know, in terms of the affordable housing that they have already? You know, I think the condition of those properties are probably not as good as properties that are owned by private owners. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts long-term scope on affordable housing here in, in our region? You know, I think that um, there's certainly some work to do. And I think there's, a, there's work to do everywhere around affordable housing. Housing is such an important topic, and I think we haven't really talked enough about housing. And it's really been brought to kind of the forefront of a lot of people's conversations. It's been in the news, and, you know, there's been... Um, you know, a lot of challenges, but I think it's just because of the demand in the market. Now we're starting to talk about it. No one talked about housing five years ago. No one talked about housing 10 years ago. It wasn't even a conversation. So I think having these conversations, listeners that are listening to our show, you know, talking about some of these issues. And, you know, I think our leaders of today and probably our leaders of tomorrow are listening to our show. So hopefully, you know, there's some good takeaways and we're certainly willing to continue having the conversation it's important and hopefully people talk uh, want to continue to listen for our last segment right tune in there's going to be uh, i think we're going to talk a little bit obviously more about um you know, properties yeah, yeah. Cottages. cottages i think it's certainly well. it's certainly very seasonally appropriate for cottages yeah. and now uh that the province has opened up that you can you now go to your cottage this week i think uh, uh people are definitely yeah. getting very excited and lots of good uh, optimism in the air you got it that's clinton wilkins my name is todd vino it's mortgage 101 your guide to home ownership on news 95.7 we'll be right back kind of reminds me of the Jim Blossoms. You ever hear of them? Oh, yeah. I, I know the Jim Blossoms. This is sound a lot like that, doesn't it? You know what? This is also a local Halifax band. I thought we start local yeah. and we're going to end local. And really, it's so much more important to support local than we ever have before. You didn't answer my question. Does it sound like the Jim Blossoms? I think it probably has a similar tone. Okay. And Who is that? This is Matt Mays. Turn it up. And El Turn it up a little bit. Pretty good drive. I hear the Jim Blossoms there, though. Which is cool. What year would that have been cut, you know? This song 
around 2012 or so. It's probably about 10 years old. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, um, you know, an interesting fun fact, we started our show with Adam Baldwin, who's a local artist here in Halifax uh, and Dartmouth and obviously Nova Scotia. Uh, and he actually played in Matt May's band. So, uh, and they're good, good friends. So, you know, we're gonna, we started local, we're ending local. And just to do a little segue into mortgage lending and home ownership. Um, you know, supporting mortgage brokers is supporting local. You know, we're a local business and, you know, I, I think that's really important. And I think it's more important now to support local than it has been in the past. We know how challenging it's, it is for small businesses. You know, I think obviously there's some optimism in the air. I was really optimistic when I came to work on, on Wednesday because I knew things were opening up and the weather was really good. It's summer and, you know, there's no better place I'd rather be in the summer than really at a cottage. Yeah, exactly. Nice segue. So let's talk about cottages. A recent story in the National Post uh, discussed the fact that cottage life is uh, is becoming a pipe dream for a lot of people. They just can't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. Even for the wealthy or the, the so-called wealthy, it's, it's becoming out of reach. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a luxury item. And, you know, to bring it back to Nova Scotia a little bit, Dr. Strang said straight out, you know, it's the elite that have second homes. And, you know, if you have, you know, uh, a trailer and a seasonal campground, if you have a cottage, if you have a second home, you are the elite. And we need to worry really about people's primary housing and the place that you're going to live, you know, the majority of your time. And, you know, cottages aren't for everyone. It's an expense. And it's, it's sometimes as much or more expense than your primary residence. I've owned cottages before, and I can tell you, you know what, I love the cottage. But, you know, the mentality of the cottage, for me, changed over time. How so? You know, when I first bought it, um, you know, it was the excitement of buying something, doing the renovations, enjoying it on the weekends, things like this. And where I bought my cottage, I owned a cottage on the eastern shore of Nova Scotia in a small community. Uh, called Salmon River Bridge. And for those of you who are familiar with the Eastern Shore, it's near the head of Jador. And, you know, I really loved it down there, but it was far, I found. You know, it was an hour away. And the challenge with the Eastern Shore, some of the best beaches in Nova Scotia are on the Eastern Shore, you know, in my opinion. Um, but there's not the amenities. And Maybe there's Kentville and some of those places around there, right? Well, You're talking Bay of Fundy, right? No, I'm talking about oh the Eastern Shore. Eastern Shore. Right, so you, you know, yeah. there there's Martinique Beach and Clam Harbor, oh, and you know, there's some good stuff down there. But you know, to get a really good proper grocery store, you basically need to go into Porter's Lake, mm-hmm. and that's where the South Shore wins, mm-hmm. and that's where the South Shore really wins for me. I think the weather's better on the South Shore. And, you know, the beaches, I think, are probably equally as good. And some people probably think they're better. But there's a lot more amenities and quality of life on the South Shore. And a lot better than on the Eastern Shore. What goes into uh, mortgage lending when it comes to cottages? What What are some of the... So somebody comes into you and, and they say, look, we want a, a couple, a single person, whatever it might be, a potential client. Do you sometimes quickly realize the cottage isn't going to be... You're not going to be able to pull it off financially, first of all, like... What are some of the some of the red flags that, from clients you say? Well, I think the first question I always ask is, what type of property is it really? Is it a type A property or a type B? So a type A is a home. A type B is something that's lacking 
something that would make it a home. So a type B property could be a cottage that's on posts, beams. It could be a cottage that uses lake water. Maybe there's a holding tank. Maybe there's not year-round access. Maybe there's not central a central heating system. And any, if there's a property that lacks any of those things or many of those things, it's considered a type B property. Mm-hmm. It cannot be considered as your primary residence. So you have to have another residence or you need to have another rental. And that cost goes in, into play. And on a type B property, they also require a bigger down payment. So t- if you want high ratio insurance, you can only get that high ratio insurance from Sagen and Canada Guarantee. The Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation is not in the business of uh, insuring cottage purchases. They are only in business of financing or, or insuring mm-hmm. uh, financing for primary residences. So you need a minimum down payment on a Type B property of 10% down. So you know, right off the get-go, you need a little bit more skin in the game mm-hmm. than the normal 5% for a regular owner-occupied property. But if it's really truly a second home, you can you can get away with as little as five percent. Right. But you need to be able to swing all your expenses from your primary residence. So that's the mortgage, that's property taxes, that's heat, and you need to swing all the expenses for the new property. That's heat, regardless if you're going to heat it or not. We still have to put a, a a cost in for monthly heat, property taxes, and we still need to qualify that new mortgage on the stress test. What about uh, potentially using it as an Airbnb or a rental property part of the year? Seasonal um, or short-term rentals are an absolute deal killer for mortgage financing. If I ever hear the word Airbnb, I'm like (laughs) cease and desist, honestly. I'm hearing our producers like laugh in the background. Why? Because the lenders don't want to get involved in the liability. They don't want to get involved in the commercial aspect licensing from the province, potential taxation issues, short-term rentals, no go. Really? So somebody needs, ca- or you own your property, or if you're going to do that, you need You cash. already need to own the property. You need to own and the property. And even income from Airbnb, they don't want us to use. They will only really consider rental income if it is a long-term Okay, rental. so let's say that you have your cottage already, and you've got it mortgaged, and you want to make it an Airbnb. Do you need to disclose that to your lender? You don't need to disclose it because guess what? People's situations change all the time. But if you then Airbnb it and want to potentially refinance it down the road, that could be a problem. Does that happen sometimes? It does because guess what? The lenders like use this fancy thing on the interwebs called Google and they look up uh, the address. And guess what? They look up the borrower too. They have access to more information than we have access to. Right. So they'll find some out. of the things that they find out. I'm just like you, little super sleuths. How did you find out that information? <laughs> and they have systems that are connected to these underwriting platforms that do things like fraud checks and background checks and risk checks and terrorism checks and all these things. Yeah. And they click a button and it, rep- it returns a report. And based on the report, they say the likeliness of you know these potential risks uh, to the lender. And it's not just financial risk that the lender's really thinking about. It's reputational risk. Right. You know, this is why, you know, if you are a um, uh, delegate, if you are a, uh, you know, government person from another country, it may be a challenge for you to get a mortgage here. Good thing I'm not. 
I know. Luckily, we're just regular people. <laughs> and we're like regular people on News 95.7. That's right. How do people get a hold of you, Clinton? Uh, check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. We'd love to help. You know, thanks for all, all our loyal listeners. We're on season three of our show, and we're going to continue this all year long. And, you know, I thank you, Todd, for, you know, coming out and, you know, being available on the weekend and, you know, doing seven days here on News 95.7. And I think it's great. And it's lots of great content. Absolutely. So, uh, again, teamclinton.ca, that's the best way because you get a team. It's not just you. Yeah, we have a whole team of people. And, you know, I still see clients every day. And I get asked if I'm taking new clients. We're always taking new clients. And, um, you know, we answer the phone, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, and we'd love to help. Some people want the special uh, Clinton treatment, though, right? They do. And I help uh, still a lot of clients. I see clients full time. Um, So don't get me wrong. I love doing this stuff, but I'm still a mortgage broker and I still see clients and, uh, you know, we'd love to help. Clinton, it's always a distinct pleasure to have these chats. It's been a a great uh, hour. Thank you so much, by the way. Appreciate it. Uh, and happy weekend and enjoy the weather. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. That's right. It's Mortgage 101, your guide home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. Thanks for listening.